We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. But I'm in so deep, you know I'm such a fool for you. You got me wrapped around your finger, Milwaukee Brewers and Adam McGee. Adam, hey, how you doing? Great to see you. I don't know if I like my name being added in there. That's, that's maybe a little uncomfortable to start the podcast. I'm doing well, Andrew. Um... I'm, you know, just recording from my usual setup, my home. You, on the other hand, you're you're calling in from, I guess, what should be a much happier environment than the one the Brewers find themselves in at the moment. Yeah, uh, I'm getting some sun. This is uh, <laughs> two out of the next three podcasts will be on location podcast for me. One here at the beach, Bri- briefly returning to my home to recap the pirate series and then off to another undisclosed disclosed location. So, you know, I'm trying to surround myself with positive vibes wherever I can, because right now they're not very positive for the team that uh, you and I have devoted uh, our weeks to throughout the summer. Uh, lost the final game of the series to the Baltimore Orioles after taking two out of three, a game that they probably should have won, got swept by the Oakland Athletics, who are all of a sudden just red hot. Who saw that coming? Uh, and then lost a pair of games now in Minnesota to the Minnesota Twins. That makes it, uh, yeah, 
um, six in a row, six losses in a row heading into a series after an off day against the first place Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, a half game up on the Brewers now because of a loss to the Chicago Cubs last night. It's uh, about as uh, consequential as a June series can be for a team needing to pull itself out of a skid. And uh, yeah, it's we're in a mode where everything that can go wrong will go wrong. A hot April led to a dismal May, which has led to a dismal June. And now the team sits at 34 and 34, a 500 record. And it just needs any semblance of positive momentum to get them back on track. And when that will come is becoming just impossible to tell because you talk about this series. It's a, a series where both games started with a lead and they just let it slip away and just... Yeah, Adam, uh, it's hard to say what's wrong right now because really it's everything. Yeah, when when it rains, it pours, and it's certainly pouring for the Brewers right now. Even in games where it seems like they generally play pretty well, should be in a position to win, they don't. And I, I don't know, is it better? <laughs> I mean, it is technically better. Uh, I, I don't know if it necessarily feels better. Uh, they're doing all this losing, and yet they're basically running on the spot in the division because the division is so bad that they're not even getting penalized for it. Honestly, I, I wonder at a certain point, does that hurt all of the teams in the NL Central too? Because there isn't the urgency, there isn't the need to snap out of it because teams are just rolling off losing streaks and they're just fine. They're still right in it. You, No matter what you do, you cannot play yourself out of the race to win the NL Central. Yeah, it's funny. Uh and the AL Central for that matter, I guess. Uh, but I was watching uh, John Heyman on an MLB Network show from, from yesterday, and he's going through uh, like the AL and NL Central teams. Uh, and he says, I don't think Milwaukee's going to be sellers. And I'm like, when the national news media guys who just want to stir up conversation are not even resisting the bait to talk about the Brewers trading Corbin Burns, like they did with Josh Hader for so many years until it happened, you know the division is so up for grabs. Because if you were, we were talking about a 34 and 34 team in the, I don't know, the NL East or the NL West, we would be talking about this team selling off pieces for whatever they could get. And yet we're not there yet in the Central and we may not get there for quite some time. I mean, look at the Reds making a hard charge now. The Ellie Dela Cruz call up seems to have. Spark something within them. Matt McLean is playing great baseball um, as well. They're just one game below 500, a half game back of the Brewers, a game back of the Pirates. Yeah, um, the Cubs, 31 and 37, still just three and a half games back. What this division race turns into for the rest of the season, I don't know. But uh, it's right there for the taking for literally anyone that wants to reel off a string of wins and take control of the division. And... Uh, Obviously, we'll get to the series at hand later, which pits two of these contenders <laughs> against one another. Uh, we'll go to the to the news and notes, Adam. I think uh, the first one will be on the field. The second one will be what the fuck are we doing here is how I'll describe these two uh, topics. But the first one is the Brewers have signed Ramel Tapia uh, and in the corresponding move have demoted uh, Abraham Toro. Cam Robinson was also designated for assignment, so we'll see what happens with him and 
see if he ends up staying within the organization. He had had a really, really difficult year um, down on the farm. Uh, Tapia, a contact hitter, not much power to speak of, plays the outfield, uh, played 39 games with the Red Sox this year and was released uh, late last week. 264, 333, 368 with a homer and 10 RBI, six stolen bases. Um, yeah, Toro had played in just five games, uh, got hits in games in nine plate appearances when he was there, had a homer, five RBI during his time. And uh, I guess now they'll give Tapia a look in the outfield, a depth move. I think Craig mentioned that he's probably going to play a lot against right-handers. We saw some of the struggles, struggles um, Brian Anderson had in right field in the series against the twins. So another competent outfield bat until Salfrey is ready. And as how I'm reading this for outfield glove, I should say his bat is what it is not really bringing much thump, but maybe, uh, maybe can hit a single or find a gap here and there. Yeah, sure. Um, the latest in the series of sure signings, the Brewers have had to make, We'll see what happens. We'll see how quickly other decisions are made. The fact that Sal Freelich is now back with the Nashville Sounds, uh, I believe had a, had a hit in his first game back. We joked last week, <laughs> that's all it might take. It's a couple of games, a couple of hits, and they might just be like, yeah, guess what? It's your time, Sal. So we're, we're on the road to that. That really seems inevitable because... In a in a not very ideal way, because there's going to be an element of helpless self, really. Like your only hope, you know. Um, I'm like the Dexter Laboratory meme where he's looking up at the poster in the room with Sal Freelich right now. It's just right there in the corner of the condo. You can't see it, but it's there. I just I think that's not great either. I like the the beginning of the season. Boy, was it perfect in so many ways. But utter. Brewers were also playing well, and then the rookies were feeling it, and so they could all be part of this good thing together without the pressure necessarily piling on. Uh, Self Relic is going to come up, and there's going to be there's going to be eyes on him in a reel. Please do anything. Please help us. Can you do anything to save this season? Can you be, if not quite the promised one, a promised one? And that's that's tough too, particularly with the injury disruption to his season. So I hope that we don't end up feeling like, okay, a lot of that is backfiring on the Brewers and just the way this is played out and it being a call-up eventually it's going to come out of necessity rather than anything else. But given the alternatives, yeah, it's hard not to be excited about the prospect of seeing them all the same because none of the rest of it is the answer. None of the rest of it is proving to be the answer this season and it certainly isn't the answer for seasons beyond this one. I think anyone who's watching this team pretty regularly is rapidly at a point where in your mind you've got to be you've got to be on both those tracks. Um whether the brewers are quite where they need to be in terms of on both those tracks is a different conversation and one we'll probably have over the next few months. But you're definitely reaching a point where you're like, well, yeah, maybe this team could be the saddest division winner of all time this season. But if if we're actually looking at any real chance of meaningful competitiveness, contention, it's it's going to come from yourself, Relix, your Joey Weemers, your Bryce Rangs, your Garrett Mitchells, and those notably coming behind them as well. So 
yeah, it will give us something else to cheer about, if nothing else, something else to get excited about and to watch closely. But I don't know. I joke, but I don't really, I don't have outlandish expectations for Sal because he's not an Ellie De La Cruz type of prospect. No, he's no, but gonna... we we are going to want, like, for example, what he is known as, as a really strong contact guy, as has been the case for quite some time. The Brewers could really do with that right now. So even like just the things he's good at, we will probably find ourselves placing unfair burdens on of just like, Oh yeah, your your world is spinning. You're now in the big leagues, but just do the thing you've always done. Just do it right now. We need it right now, in that kind of way. Oh yeah, and I think if he's a two sixty hitter with a decent OBP, that will have exceeded all expectations for his first bit of baseball. I guess my temp tempered optimism with uh, whatever Freelick and and like Weimer do for the rest of the season, and I'll throw Bryce Strang in there. Like whatever the rookies do is is kind of like I said just gravy it's extra if the team is going to be a real real playoff contender that can win games in the playoffs they need some of the veteran guys on this team to return to form they need Adamas to start hitting they need Luis Arias to start hitting he's had some good at bats hit a homer in this series they need uh I guess uh Rowdy to let us to refine that power stroke um maybe William Contreras to be a little more consistent tap into more power BA to overcome some of those um Midseason slumps, and I think he's done that a little bit. And then all of that to be at least going on at the same time. And then whatever you get from free, like uh, continued development from Weimer to Rang eventually coming back up and maybe settling into whatever his role looks like, maybe a utility role. Uh, so if they're going to be a playoff contender, they need their guys to be what they were at their best or at least close to their best. And then I'm still focused on this season uh, for the rookies as development for what they can be in 2024 and beyond because i think we we view these guys as like key cogs of whatever the next version of brewers baseball is a lot is up in the air with going into 2024 we could be talking about a manager search we could be talking about a corbin burns trade and the one thing we think we know is that th these core rookies are going to get a chance to be main players in whatever the next version of the Brewers looks like. And obviously we've still got a lot of season to play. They can still win a division. They can go on a tear. They can get hot in the playoffs like the Phillies. And we're talking about, oh man, look where we were in June. Um, wasn't that funny. But so I think there's a lot of balls in the air here. And I guess I would agree with your larger point that Freelick coming up, um, he's not coming up to be a savior. He's coming up to be a spark and something that, to be excited about. And uh, like we, we shouldn't kind of, I guess, lose faith or lose some of that uh, excitement if, if he struggles out of the gate and isn't the savior of the season. So that was my long-winded way of saying the rookies are still developing, and that's okay. Have you have you seen the latest? Now, it'll be the source on this is John Heyman and um, the, I guess, the inherent bias based on where he writes and the team that was being framed in this should be taken into account, but I don't think you see his his article yesterday. Yeah. Um, the one about Stearns to the Mets and him potentially bringing Craig there. Yeah, well, the latter part is the part that's intriguing because I guess I don't know if I buy it. Well, that's what I was getting at because of the reasons I guess where there's a fear with from a Brewer's perspective that this will be it for Craig, which is 
Let's watch his son play baseball. His son Jack, I believe. Big day for him yesterday, I think. Yes. They won the state. Um But is that something you say and then a really big money offer comes along to go and be the manager for the Mets and all of a sudden you take that? I don't know. I mean, we certainly have talked a lot about Craig and we have our issues with him too, but as you've always been ready to point out, usually uh, baseball manager is generally not great and he's one of the better ones. Take that for what it is. So if he suddenly becomes available, you'll have that element of a search, I guess, and other teams who will, I'm sure, at least make calls. Um, I I don't particularly buy it, but I also, at this moment too, found it pretty, pretty dispiriting to read from a Brewers perspective to just imagine the Mets with all of their money and with their owner, um, having Stearns and Council. And I don't know. Maybe that's where we can transition to talking about the Brewers' current owner. Um, yeah, I'm I'm scrolling and lo- and looking for that uh, athletic article. I'll find it. But uh, it, I yeah, from all I guess the not rumors. I guess speculation is the best way to describe it. Is the idea that Craig wants some time to call him Craig like uh like we're. That's what like, we call him. That's fine. Poker, like we're poker buddies. Uh, Craig, Craig Council wants to be a baseball dad. He's got, um, his kids. You know, in the midst of their, or finishing off his high school baseball career, and guys playing college baseball, and he, he wants to, you know, experience the end of uh their college careers like a, like a dad with not the obligation of managing a major league baseball team, uh, would do. So, I could see that, but. Adam, I'll I'll put myself in his shoes right now, and I'm a I'm a lesser man than than many because you know Adam, when I was uh, a kid growing up, sometimes you know my parents would take me to Toys R Us, and I could only get things off of certain shelves because you know the price points. Steve Cohen can take you into Toys or Toys R. So if I could just pop into the owner's office and be like, I want that player this offseason, I would be pretty compelled to, to take that managerial job. But that's me. I don't know if Craig uh I don't know if Craig feels the same or if uh he does truly want to be um, you know, Mr. Baseball Dad. Yeah, I guess it depends on the opportunity and the timing too, and you can want one thing, but depending what your longer term view is as well. Maybe it's a tough one to turn down. I don't know. That's it's kind of grim, and that may also not be grim because on a lot of fronts, the Brewers might need a reset. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Um, to move us along to what is not, not specifically Brewers news, but it is the big story around baseball. And it is the potential relocation, the inevitable relocation, it seems, of the Oakland Athletics to Las Vegas. And as that plan continues to take shape, and as a committee has been formed to assess relocation, I believe a lot of their responsibilities will fall kind of in kind of territorial stuff in a business sense. I think that's part of it and TV deals and all of that. And obviously weighing up stadium plans. There was an athletic report on all the ins and outs of that. And it was followed up by Ken Rosenthal reporting that Mark Adonazio, of course, the chairman, principal owner of Milwaukee Brewers, um, is the man who is going to head up the relocation committee for the Oakland Athletics. This news was not greeted in a very measured fashion by Brewers fans. I I don't blame people. I will say I don't entirely agree, I think, with the worst case scenario that a lot of people are taking and connecting the dots with this from. But I do think it's interesting and it tells us something about the Brewers owner. I'll throw it to you first before, before giving any further thoughts on this, because you've probably got more experience of this or may have memories... Oh, who's the last? It's been a who's the last team to be relocated? Was it uh, the Expos to Washington? God, it's a long time. Um, well, we'll go to you first anyway. What what was your reaction? I I think a lot of people fear the Brewers' relocation. We've had some of these conversations on the pod ourselves with the Lisa and Amfam expiring. But what did you feel when you saw this news? I I laughed at it and because of just no self-awareness of what the optics would be from Mark A. Just none. Like, um, and I'm guessing I'm viewing whatever the relocation committee has is ownership's rubber stamp. Just to be like, oh yes, all this sounds well and good. 
abandon Oakland and go to Las Vegas. Great job, everyone. Let's all pour drinks. Um, I am not worried about the Brewers leaving. I think this is a small market that works. And honestly, I think Manfred likes having teams like Tampa and Milwaukee that are well-run organizations in Major League Baseball on lower payrolls. I think he likes having that to point to. Um, uh, and I think it, you know, without knowing the intricacies of the politics on the ground, I think this will end up like most of these sorts of situations where some gross deal for public money is worked out that both uh, parties politically claim as a victory and the Brewers stay and it's all grimy and we don't like it, but they're still in Milwaukee. But I do think that Manfred and Mark Adonazio and whoever is are going to continue to put pressure on local politicians to get the stadium enhancements that they say they need because that's what baseball owners and commissioners do. They're just some of the worst people on the planet. Everything that comes out of Rob Manfred's mouth right now it's just it's it's horrendous. It, honestly, it, I I'd heard so much about Rob Manfred before I knew anything about baseball and how bad he was as a commissioner and how unpopular he was. And at some point, it's like it it can't possibly like there's levels to this. Adam Silver is not a particularly popular commissioner, I would say, but Rob Manfred just astonishes me with basically every passing day. He's Tom Wamsgan. He's the pain sponge. He just wants it so much. He wants to eat the shit for the owners and then spew it back out at the fans. The stuff he had to say about not mandating Pride Nights is another thing that uh, came out. Um, he's just the worst. He's the fucking worst. Um, and I hope he listens to this. I hope he comes and finds me at a ballpark in uh, Milwaukee and he has someone break my legs and then I'll be a martyr for the calls to call <laughs> Rob Manfred an idiot on the internet. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the mouthpiece for the owners, so he's he's doing what, you know, Roger Goodell has always done, just less successfully. Roger Goodell is king of the pain sponges and Rob Manfred's just fighting for second or third place. Um, again, I don't know what this committee is. I think it's the rubber stamp committee. Yeah, good job, John Fisher. You get to have no accountability in any of this and just sit around and not talk to anyone or answer questions and then go off to Vegas. The reverse boycott game from the Athletics uh, on the 13th, I believe, was incredible. Fans showing up to the ballpark, sell the team chance. I mean, those fans do not deserve what is happening to them. It's just absolute bullshit. An organization that, you know, has had iconic moments throughout its history. Um in Oakland, they're the they're the Moneyball guys. Billy Bean. They got a movie about him. Nope. Off to Vegas. We don't give a shit. We won't. We won't work to find a solution. We're gonna say we tried to find the solution, but but we didn't. We just tried to hold politicians hostage with tax dollars that you know takes away from some other program that the citizens of this area need because that's what baseball owners and commissioners do. Just craving pieces of shit. Anyway. Um, I didn't expect to talk like this. Uh, really? Come on. Come on. These are some of your favorite topics. I, I, though, the, the part that I 
feel like the emphasis needs to be switched on. And I think really what's happening here is Adonazio is being Manfred's pain sponge. Manfred may mm. well may well be that for certain owners, but there is a clear food chain, there's a clear dynamic, and there are lots of owners who one would not be asked to do this, to be the piece of shit out in front of this, who everyone is gonna hate, who congratulations, Mark Adonazio. Um all the people of Oakland are gonna hate you forever. Uh, because this is a, a role you decided to take on. Whether you're any actual real say in what's going on here, and um, just choosing to be or allowing yourself to be put in this position is quite something. I, I'll get back to that because I do think that element of it is interesting. And then for your own city, knowing what is hanging over them, knowing in part what you have hanging over them, knowing they're a small market, knowing that this is the kind of fear like to to be a small market owner and to agree to do this i'm sorry you've got to be an idiot like you've got to be a literal moron there's there's no way around it the optics are so so bad it's the kind of thing that is going to lead to panic that is going to get people who weren't already like this guy needs to sell the team to call on him to sell the team it's it's insane i honestly i i think all things considered you and I have talked about ownership and how we feel about the lack of funds available to the brewers and really what the brewers are left to deal with in comparison to other teams. Manfred came to Milwaukee and he held up the brewers as, you know, the ultimate example of how a baseball team should be run. And in fact, more teams should be run like the brewers and in a sustainable way. You know, easy to say that when you go and visit that place and you're doing a favor for Ananasio and return for a favor from him. And you're not actually doing anything to level the playing field rules wise in line with your words, but to, to not grasp or even worse to grasp and go ahead with it anyway, how this would be received by fans in the city of Milwaukee is just breathtaking. The, the guy has zero shame. And honestly, zero understanding of I don't know how how humans' brains work and how like how much people care about their teams. Like the this is not the kind of guy you can have come out here and be like, oh, you know, I consider, you know, I'm just this is like a public trust and I'm just a steward. You know, all that kind of owner crap you hear. He can't do that. He honestly can't do that for taking a seat in this in this process. Now, does it mean that the Brewers are next on the relocation block? Is this Mark's crash course in how to relocate a team? I don't I don't think so. But what I think this might be is that Manfred came and applied some public pressure, got the conversation going in Milwaukee. And we're now into a series of you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And part of returning that favor and possibly continuing that the pressure's applied so that the Brewers get a new stadium or they get money for the upgrades for Amfam and it doesn't come out of Mark Adonazio's, well, not significant enough wealth, is that Adonazio is going to be the guy who's going to like publicly eat shit from time to time. And this is it. This is no, no owner wants this job. I, I don't believe there's a single owner in. Major League Baseball, and if it was being taken seriously, you would get someone in a market where this is never going to be a question, who is just kind of bulletproof from this stuff. It's so far beyond and above them, they don't have to care. 
But from Manfred's side, putting the owner of a small team where you're already talking about the need for renovations and a lease is up in that spot and for Adonazio to go along with it, it's just, it's so dumb. Like The I, other, I, two, I, the other well, two owners involved has been reported as Blooper holding a Liberty Media uh, spreadsheet and uh, uh, Clark the Cub with a Tom Ricketts jersey. Those are the two other owners that are on the uh, panel. Actually, nobody fact checked that. I just, I again, I don't, I don't believe the, the panic, in a real sense, is necessary for this, but I, I do find it just kind of insulting, just generally insulting. As in, he, this guy is is a real affront to, to Brewers fans and Brewers fans and the people who are lining his pockets, the people who show up game in game out year in year out so that the brewers are one of the best supported and best attended teams in major league baseball in spite of being from a smaller market in spite of being fans of a team that is never going to stretch their payroll to try and take advantage of the good work that's done organizationally to put a roster together that could have a chance to go and be really successful and like (laughs) we're in this spot and we've watched you know, no extensions for all of the players that could have been extended. We've watched Corbin Burns be pissed off. And I don't know. The end result of that is going to be the Brewers taking a step back. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it'll work out again. Because as we talked about, they're good young players. And the system is in place. Organizationally, there are people who are doing good enough jobs to enable this cycle to go on. But it's just a number of years before it's Jackson Churio who needs to be extended or paid. And all of a sudden you've got someone who's got all the power and you've been this cheap franchise for so long that they look at the situation and be like, the Brewers? Is this is this the best spot to be? I just I I just cannot believe the disregard of the optics here. It's it's pretty astonishing. Yeah, I, I like to imagine him with the evaluation. He's got his he's got his red pen in one hand. He's given given it his thorough evaluation at him. He's reading every page. Uh, and then on the other hand, it's a tape recorder. When he likes an i when he likes a grifting idea, he records it in the tape recorder and you know puts it in his back pocket for future use. That's what I'm imagining. Should we talk about two baseball games? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I just to echo, I don't, I don't think this is something that, like, if if the Brewers end up relocating, I don't think this is the moment that you you look back on and be like, that was it. That's when it all went wrong. If anything, this could be something that ensures the Brewers stay here because Manfred will keep pressing the buttons that are required. And again, what does that mean? It means there will be much more pain for fans to come, as in we will have to listen to more and more of this because it might come from Major League Baseball. And honestly, that could be part of the trade-off here. That could be why Adonazio's in for this completely tankless role otherwise, because it may result in him getting what he needs out of it for the Brewers to just continue on as normal and without it hurting his pockets at all. Um, but yeah, I just... It's it's pretty mind-blowing. Uh, honestly, it's it's pretty hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, I just imagine, and obviously I'm 
shorter into this journey than most Brewers fans, but I'm imagining a relocation committee for the Brewers. And again, I don't think this is like, I, I think they're staying in Milwaukee for good. I'm not worried at all. It's a, entirely an optics thing for me, but in that fake scenario, whoever the leader of the re- relocation committee was in that, that scenario, I would want that guy fired into the sun. So I can yeah. only imagine how A's fans are feeling right now. And um, also, I mean, this uh, is everything going so great with the Brewers right now that uh, the Brewers owner should feel comfortable with, you know, having significant responsibilities with his eyes trained elsewhere. And, you know, um, with the potential of a new manager needing to be hired um, with trades very much on the agenda with extensions, like there are so many major questions. There are some years where owners don't have to have significant involvement. This is actually a year where um, his involvement with the Brewers and them working out exactly what they can and are going to do, are prepared to do, is relevant. And it's nice he's got this little side project to just tear a, a city's heart out and send it to the most soulless place in the world instead. Maybe, um, uh, you know, sometimes uh, when I was growing up, there would be uh, friends and, like, their parents recently got divorced and their dad would, like, start dating again and be very distracted. And while that was happening, on, happening you could have as many parties as possible and sneak as much liquor from their liquor cabinet as possible. Maybe the Brewer's front the, office can the do cabinets, this with Mark the cabinets are empty. They're empty. I'm sorry. You can't sneak it when the cabinets are empty. It, do- it doesn't matter. The credit card is <laughs> going to get declined, but the deal goes through. Extension signed. Trades made. Uh, Mark's, Mark's in Vegas just checking out plots of land. Oh, this is a nine-acre footprint. Oh, the retractable roof. Oh, this is going to be great. And then just a flurry of moves. Brewers win 90 games. <laughs> sure. Baseball, let's, ta- let's talk about the two games. That certainly points to a path to the Brewers winning 90 games. Wow, this went much longer than we thought. Um, in the first game of the series on the mound for the Milwaukee Brewers, Corbin Burns facing off against Pablo Lopez. And uh, this started great, like a lot of games lately have. Uh, Christian Yelich doubles to right in the third inning to score Victor Caratini and Luis Arias. We had another single-game Victor Caratini performance where, you know what, the man just gets on base. Rowdy Teles would follow that with a crushed single, or this, this was a different single, a uh, single to center field uh, to score Christian Yelich. That made it three to nothing. Uh, then in the third, the Twins would claw back Donovan Solano's single, uh, would score Michael A. Taylor, and then a Carlos Correa fielder's choice would score uh, Julian to make it three to two Brewers after the third inning. And uh, yeah, for the most part, Corbin Burns was very good. Six innings pitch, seven hits. Three runs, they were all earned. One walk, eight strikeouts. Um, Christian Yelich would make the score five to two in the top of the seventh with a two-run homer to left center field, scoring himself and Victor Garatini. Uh, Corbin Burns sent out to start the seventh inning. Kyle Farmer leads with leads off the inning with a homer to left center. That ends Burns' day. So seven complete innings, uh, pitches into the seventh, uh, works around seven hits and a walk. But for the most part, gave the Brewers a chance to win. And if we can get back to this being the quote unquote bad Corbin Burns start in a string of five or so, uh, that would be a welcome, uh, I guess a welcome addition to the second half of this season, because if that can coincide with Brandon Woodruff getting back into the rotation, uh, there will be a lot more reasons for optimism, but sadly, Adam, 
I don't know if you had anything to add on Corbin, Bur- Corbin Burns. Sadly, that would not be enough to get the Brewers to win today. I don't really. I mean, he pitched pretty well. Not quite perfect, but he pitched well. Um, gave the Brewers a chance to win. <laughs> gave the Brewers a chance to win. That's really what you can ask of any starting pitcher. And Corbin certainly did that and was then, I think, pushed just a little bit too far, which you and I have been talking a lot about this privately of late. It really does feel like Craig Cancel has been getting these kind of decisions consistently wrong just in the past few weeks in a way that I don't know if it's kind of over overly apparent in an overarching way, but in a in a game by game sense, there have been a few instances now where every time he has to decide, do I let someone go a little bit longer or do I pull them a little bit earlier when he's making those decisions, it always seems to go the wrong way. Moving on to later in this game, uh, Hobie Milner replaced Corbin Burns, recorded two outs in the bottom of the uh, seventh, allowed a leadoff double to Joey Gallo. Elvis Pagero would come on and strike out Donovan Solano to get out of the inning. Nothing doing for the Brewers in the top of the eighth, and then the bottom of the eighth, things would get hairy. Um, Joel Pimes on the mound. Carlos Correa flies out to right. Alex Kirloff singles. Uh, Max Kepler pinch hits and walks. Larnick grounds into a fielder's choice to put runners on first and third with two outs. Uh, Piamps then hits Farmer and to load the bases with two outs in a 5-3 game. Things getting tight. Then he strikes out Joey Gallo with a backdoor slider to get out of the inning. Tight rope walk for Piamps, but he ends up doing just enough to get out of the inning. And then into the bottom of the night, the Brewers would take a 5-3 lead. And it was the worst time possible for Devin Williams' worst performance of the season. But he had been so damn good leading up to this. Maybe that made it hurt worse. (laughs) Michael A. Taylor leads off the inning uh, with a homer to center, a walk, and then a stolen base. Puts a runner on second with no outs and a 5-4 game. Donovan Solano singles to center to tie the game at 5. Carlos Correa then steps up to the plate. With Solano on base, he would crush a two-run home run to left field to make it 7-5, a walk-off win for the Twins, and Devin Williams with a blown save. Uh, You get to the the ninth inning with a 5-3 lead, and Devin Williams on the mound. You think that's going to be a game done and dusted. Instead, Devin doesn't record an out, allows three hits, four runs. They're all earned a walk, no strikeouts, two homers in the inning. Yeah. Really painful, but I honestly I cut Devin some slack because in that role you're gonna have this happen to you if you're the best of the best, which he might well be, probably at least a couple of times a season still. Yeah, like we saw it happen to Hater a lot last year. It's it's very, very difficult to be perfect. Um he is as close to that as you can get and has been for a considerable period of time for the Brewers. And honestly, even, I mean, I think he has generally done a better job of making his outings less stressful this year than they were last year. Um, yeah. If It feels like he's gotten to work much more efficiently and tidier since moving into the closers role. Look, it happens. It's really brutal and so, so painful for the Brewers. This is a game they should have won, and they're in a run where they just 
one, they need whatever wins they can to not fall behind the eight ball, but also just to get some confidence back and break out of the slump. This would have been a really nice one to go and get. Um, and it's it's extra disappointing just when you have to watch Devin Williams wear a loss like that because in terms of overall performance levels over the course of the season, no one should be kind of, I don't know, beating themselves up less over Brewers' underperformance than Devin Williams. So, yeah, not fun. Really bad inning at the worst possible time. But I think Devin has earned some some slack on this. Plus, I will say, and this unfortunately carries over into the next game too, uh, Carlos Correa just looks like, you know, that's what it looks like when your team has a star who delivers and your team needs the most. I know he had a very weird offseason, and the season hasn't been spectacular. But in this series, he stepped up, and it's just like whenever the Twins needed not just a big hit, but a colossal hit. He was up to the challenge. He delivered in a way we were like, God, it must be nice to have a guy who can do that. Which is maybe unfair because this was a really good Christian Yelich series. And in theory, the way the Brewers roster is constructed, that's who it should be for the Brewers. Um, but I do think there is also an element that we can't just overlook of the Twins were well positioned to also take advantage of the mistakes, and Carlos Correa was not going to let the Brewers off the hook. No, he was not, and that would continue into the final game of the series on Wednesday. Two-game series, off day on Thursday. You and I took advantage of the off day. Well, I took advantage of it. You were working your ass off uh, at your at your uh, day job, so uh, I took advantage of the off day by getting drunk on sand. Anyway, uh, on the mound, Colin Ray for the Brewers, Bailey Obert for the Twins. And again, the Brewers uh, started this game in the league. Much like Drake, Brian Anderson, and Luis Arias go back-to-back in the second inning with solo homers of their own. Colin Ray good through the first two innings, and then one bad inning was his undoing in the third. The Carlos Correa triple um, scores a pair to tie the game at two. Uh, Then a uh, double to center. By Larnick scores Carlos Gray to make it 3-2. A Joey Gallo single to right field scores Larnick to make it 4-2. Gallo uh, thrown out trying to to stretch out the hit to a double at second. Play was reviewed, and uh, he was called out. Call was overturned, but they had deemed the run to have scored um, before that out was recorded. So it's 4-2 twins after the third. And that was all the scoring that would happen in this baseball game. Uh, Colin Ray, to his credit, was... Other than that third inning, did Colin Ray things. Uh, five hits to four runs, three walks, four strikeouts. Hobie Milner provided a scoreless inning of relief, a walk and a strikeout. Bryce Wilson, a scoreless inning of relief, uh, two walks and a strikeout. Uh, Tyson Miller, a scoreless inning of relief. So uh, the bullpen limited the Twins uh, and did not allow them to add on to that lead. But the Brewers did nothing to speak of offensively, as the 4-2 score can attest. 0 for 3 runners in scoring position, 4 runners left on base. The only guy with a multi-hit day was Christian Yelich, who was 2 for 4 um, with a double. And the only runs coming off of the back-to-back homers from Brian Anderson and Luis Arias. Bailey Ober goes 6 innings pitched, 6 hits, 2 runs. They were both earned a walk, 7 strikeouts. The 2 homers, the only damage he allowed. And then scoreless innings from Stewart, Duran, and Jax closed things down for the Twins. Uh, 
done in by a fellow North Carolina native, Adam Bailey Ober, just uh, being really rude to me. And uh, the uh, twins got it done with runners in scoring position in that third inning. And the Brewers were unable to muster anything beyond the six hits and the two runs. Yeah, everything was early for the Brewers, and then they just completely shut down. And some really, really ugly strikeouts from multiple guys. And again, as I said when we start off, when it rains, it pours. Like this is, this is where the Brewers are at right now. Um, I do think they're probably in their worst place of the entire season, and they are coming into what is certainly, at least at this point, the most important series of the entire season. Certainly one where you wouldn't want to carry this win, or this win streak. Do you hear me, Andrew? That would be nice, <laughs> this losing streak um, over, because, yeah, it would be it would be really bad news. And I mean, again, there's parts of this where every now and then they show something or see some guys show something, and you're like, this team is not that bad, and you'll remind yourself that they are just mired with injuries. Like they're in, they're in the worst possible place you can be. They have been throughout the course of the season. So many of the guys who've missed considerable time and continue to miss time would make things considerably better. And I guess when you're the Brewers too, going back to some of the conversation we're having about ownership and spending, you can't weather that. Like, <laughs> um, I saw. Was it in was it Ken Rosenthal's piece who noted the Brewers are like only the only the Yankees and Dodgers, I think there might be a couple other teams, but like the Yankees and Dodgers being listed as more players on the IL. Guess what? If you're the Yankees and Dodgers, you can survive that a little bit more because of the money you've spent on your roster for depth, because of the Dodgers case of the strength of your system. Like it's a tougher spot for the Brewers to be in. And we're also at a point where clearly this team isn't good. Like we've we've got to own up to that. I also I find it really hard to just pile on them and be like, these guys all suck and it's all their fault because they are who they are <laughs> and they're being put together without key pieces that could help, could bring a bit of a spark, some life, and make the general mood better and possibly lead to better results. And I don't know, that's kind of tough on an individual basis or even on these players to just purely pin it on them and be like, this is all on you. The team has had bad luck. You've got to fight through it. You've got to find something. I mean, in theory, they are still 34 and 34. They're half a game out of the division lead. So we could say they're doing that as much as it doesn't feel or look like it. It's got to turn around, though. And I think it's got to turn around this series because if you were to lose badly to the Pirates, then all of a sudden you you aren't just talking about standing still in the division as they have been able to do for two months. You will be back and you will be chasing. And right now they're they're a long way off being in position to gain that ground. But here we are, Adam, with an opportunity. Uh, moving on to the series at hand today. June 16th, 7-10 Central Start. An Apple TV Plus game because Major League Baseball doesn't want fans to have access to the games that they pay for via their subscription package. No, you got to have this other thing too. Can't just get everything on MLB.tv. 
Again, let me just note, I have the other thing. I have MLB TV. I will still not be able to see this game because it's not available internationally on Apple and it will not be available internationally on MLB TV. Just thank you again, Rob Manfred. Hope you're listening. My old man yells at Cloud Stretch. I thought it was over. It's not. On the mound for the Brewers, Julio Tehran, who's obviously been excellent so far this season, and the Brewers will hope it continues against Rich Hill, another veteran. Uh, Saturday, June 17th, a 310 central start. Wade Miley making his return to the mound against Mitch Keller. Sunday, June 18th, 110 central start. Freddie Peralta on the mound against Luis Ortiz. And then coming to town, uh, it does not get easier. The team with a, uh, the lead in the National League West, the Arizona Diamondbacks, will come to town for three games. And uh, yeah, as it stands right now, uh, the Brewers will will get a look at Zach Gallon in the last game of that series. Uh, Burns versus uh, Merrill Kelly, Colin Ray versus Ryan Nelson, and Julio Tehran versus Zach Gallon is the early look ahead of that series. Don't know if that's how it'll shake out. We'll talk about that on Sunday. But yeah, two pretty big series coming up before a trip out to Cleveland, New York, and Pittsburgh. A long road trip. I think that's a 10-gamer. So very important that the Brewers finish off this homestand in a positive way. Um, and if not, we will again have less fun conversations. Adam, you and I don't like having these conversations because we love this team and these players. And when they lose and when extraneous stories come up about relocation uh, in the Oakland, Oakland Athletics and they're connected to the Brewers, those are less than ideal conversations. But we got to have them because we're 162 guys, Adam. We're here day in, day out, grinding tape, drinking beer. Master Brewer leaderboard? Moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard, which I forgot to skip, or, or I, I skipped you, because... You, that's why I was bringing it back to it. You, you gave me a good transition. That's why I went into the Pirate Series. Uh, Christian Yelich, 5 for 9, 2 doubles, a homer, 2 runs, 4 RBI. Not going to say it. Uh, Victor Caratini, three for four, two runs, one game Caratini. If he plays one game in a series, he's going to get three hits. That's how it works. Rowdy Flash, three for nine, three singles, an RBI. Crushed one of those singles. Could have been a homer in a different ballpark. Uh, nice to see Rowdy tap into that power, and hopefully that starts translating into some extra base hits starting tonight against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Hobie Milner, one and two towards scoreless innings. Uh, Hobie is back to being used with uh, frequency and pitching well. The old pineapps made it scary, but stranded the bases loaded with that nasty backdoor slider strikeout of Joey Gallo. Corbin Burns, six innings pitch, pitch into the seventh, seven hits, three runs, a walk, eight strikeouts. Uh, leaderboard through 68 games. Devin Williams leads the way with 15. Brian Anderson, Joey Weimer with 11. Roddy Telez, Christian Yelich, Peter Streslecki with 10. Corbin Burns, the old pineapps, Bryce Wilson, Owen Miller with nine. William Contreras, Hobie Milner, Willie Adamas, Elvis Peguero with seven. Bryce Terang with six. Victor Caratini, Julio Tehran, Freddy Peralta, Wade Miley, Garrett Mitchell, Colin Ray with five. Adrian Hauser with four. Blake Perkins, Jesse Winker, Eric Lauer, Jake Cousins with three. Trevor McGill, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Varland, Javi Guerra, Tyron Taylor, Andre Monasterio with two. Luke Voigt, Mike Rosso, Matt Bush, Tyson Miller, Darren Ruff, <laughs> Abraham Toro with one. Adam, thoughts? That's how you know Andrew is on vacation. He didn't even expect to be awake by now. This is how lucky you are to have this podcast. He was planned to be asleep. Um, I I guess things things look the way they should look. 
That's where I'm going. I think I think it's all okay, Andrew. Um, it's more than can be said for the Brewers, but I'm I'm relatively happy with the shape of the Master Brewer leaderboard. Me too, Adam. I love a I love a good beer. I love baseball. I just hit my toe on the side of this condo bed. You know, I know another thing I take issue with is real estate these days, Adam. These rooms are too small. They're too small, and I hurt my toe. We got anything else? I think we've uh, we've gone longer than we expected. You know, you and I trying to to work things out. We'll have another undisclosed undisclosed location podcast uh, next week, and you know, we're just doing our best, and uh, we're having fun. Are, are we doing? Uh, is that undisclosed? Do you want to keep it undisclosed? No, I'm going to the. I'm going to go to the Diamondback series and just you know pile on my misery. Watch Corbin Carroll run the bases. It's the, we're gonna Bur- find Bernie out. Brewer a hug. We're gonna find out if if I was the good look, if Andrew was the good look. Maybe it's both of us. We have to be together at this moment in time. I really hope it's Andrew and the he goes and the Brewers just to only win games again. Uh, I might because be banned they could from do the ballpark that. after all my Manfred comments. Awesome. Maybe I should cut the part where you're going to the game. Uh, but yeah, that's, we'll, we'll get some more boots in the ground perspective on the next, not the next episode of the pod, but the one after that. Right, yes. All right, that does it for us. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It's Cruising for a Bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows, Eurostep Podcast Network for all things Malfi books, talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers, and make time for this for movies, TV, pop culture, all of that stuff. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam.